Good evening, guys. How are y'all this evening? Good. Josh is good. I knew he would be the most vocal one of everybody. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about why should we read, study, and meditate daily on the Word. It's kind of, it's a spillover from Sunday school to the Word we heard this morning all the way into our class this evening. I mean, that we spoke of that very thing this evening is why is it important that every single day we purpose in our life? It should be the first fruits, just as Brother Scott had said tonight. The first thing that we should give to God is what? Our time. It's not just about our tithe. It's not just about our talent. It's about our it's about our time. We give him our money. The church is here, is it not? We prosper. We give him our talent. There's people who play instruments, they sing, they preach, they teach. What about your time? How much time do you give to God? Because let's just go with the metric of a tenth. All we know that's not what the New Testament actually teaches. How much time should you give God? 10% of a 24-hour day? What does that look like? Well, it's over two hours, is it not? About two hours and 35 minutes, two hours, 30 minutes. Can you say you do that? Well, Brother Matt, is that truly necessary? I can't tell you that it is, but I can assure you that if you don't give God the proper time, your relationship will not be right with Him. You will find yourself falling into sin more and more often than you ever did before because you're lacking in one thing, and that is time spent with God. His Word, one of the things that Jesus always did, and He's given me the opportunity to do that today because He's just good, is He always had something that He tied His parables to. He tied the things He was teaching to. And He gave me that opportunity. And it was very hard for me to not sin, to not be angry. But we're going to start out with this, and we're going to go to unrighteous anger. Because I found myself there, just I know as you have too, in a place where the anger that I'm in is it's unrighteous. It's not right. It's not for the right reason. But that day, thank God, that day, I had actually done what we talked about in Sunday school. I had spent time in the Word of God that morning before I did anything else. And during that time, it led me to verses straight about anger. It's amazing. And it wasn't very many hours later that God put that to a test. And I was tested. It was a trial that was in my life. And what did I draw from that day, church? I drew from what I had seen that morning. It wasn't that I hadn't read those verses before, but it was fresh and it was new. So it convicted me. Like all the things I wanted to do and the things I wanted to say, I was unable to do those things. Because why? Because they were fresh. The Spirit of God drew that out and said, Hey, Brother Matt, remember three hours ago when you were reading my word? And this is the thought that's in your mind. The best thing for you to do is to keep your mouth shut in this moment. That's where I found myself. But first, if you would, please stand. We're going we're gonna to read just 2 Timothy 2 and 15 <clears throat> is where we'll begin. We're talking about why do we... It's not just about reading. It's not just about studying. But it's also about meditating. And this is not transcendental meditation or yoga or something like that. It's got a totally different meaning, but... We need to do that. It helps us tremendously. 2 Timothy 2 and 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a worker who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Father, I thank you for another time to stand and speak your word, Lord. Father, you see the way that you've dealt with me in the weeks and the months and in the past. God, the things that have changed in my life, my understanding of your word and the depth of it. Father, I pray if there's one here tonight who doesn't understand this, if they don't spend time in your word, if they don't spend time studying your word or spend time thinking and pondering on your word and what it might be in their life and to be honest about their true intentions and the way they live their life, 
God, I pray that you would help us tonight to see the imperfections that we still have within us. God, that you would help us purge ourselves from that through the Spirit of God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So that's where we begin. We begin with, we're to read. We read everything. I said this a while back. There, there is a difference between the word read and the word read, correct? I can read something, but when I'm reading something, that is when. What tense? That's present. Present tense is I'm reading it. If I've read it, that's past tense, and that means it's become a part of who I am, correct? Like now, I have read this material. Those two words are spelled the exact same way. But it's the context that you use them in. I'm reading now so that later what I've read can help me through this walk that I'm in with God. Right? There is a way to a man that seems right, but it's what? What does it lead to? <laughs> Do you see that? There's a way that I live my life that pleases my flesh every single day. But I can tell you all too often it leads to my destruction. It leads to a place of repentance. It leads to a place of conviction. It leads to a place to where I do not have a right relationship with God. Let me tell you, whenever the Word of God is preached and you can say yes and amen and you cannot crawl under the pew in front of you, it is a very liberating moment in your life. Right? I'm not a homosexual, so when you teach about that, it does not bother me. You can talk about that all day. But I'm a glutton. There are things that can be preached from a pulpit that convict me. Right? I'm an adulterer. According to the Word of God, I have lust in my life that's not right, and I have to bring that before God every day. Is that not right? What does the Word tell us? What do we do with that? Put it under the blood of God. It comes into my mind, but it never leaves. It doesn't leave my mouth. It doesn't stay in my mind. I rebuke it in Jesus' name, and I move forward. How do I know that that's a reality? Because I've studied the Word of God. Throughout the day, the things that I've studied and the things that have been in my past that I've studied, I meditate on that. I think about the Word of God. I ponder the Word of God. Mary said everything that Jesus said when He would say things, she would hide it in her heart and she would ponder it. Because, listen, there's coming a day that every single one of these verses that you read, you're going to come in contact with something that's going to make you, you're either going to move towards that and you're going to use that in your life or you're not. The Lord gave Mary words of encouragement, although some of those words were not always great. Your son's going to die. Right? But when the time came, did she not already know that? Do you think she had not dealt with that all those years? 33 years, she had time because at, at his birth, when they brought him there, he said, he will die. But I knew that day, I did not know at that moment that, Brother Matt, today you're going to have the opportunity to see if this word is really engrafted in you. You're going to have the opportunity to see if you are truly who you claim you are. Thank God it worked. <laughs> because it does, because I put it in. And the Spirit of God drew it out. Joshua, <clears throat> excuse me, 1 and 8, says this, His book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will achieve success. So the first thing that we saw in the, in, was to study. Fully apply oneself with all diligence. Don't just read it. Did I say not to read the Word of God? Well, that's ridiculous. But whenever I read, there's a difference between when I read something and when I study. I read something. This is how it works 100% of the time. I start out reading the Word of God, and before it's over with, I'm studying it. And it lasts for an hour or longer. That I, I just want to sit and just read the Word, but I can. I get to a word like, like this word right here that says study. 
study to show myself approved. Well, I need to know what it is to study. Because if I'm not doing that, how can I be accurately handling the word of truth? I don't want to be ashamed when I stand before God for the things I said. That there not be any many masters because they will receive the greater condemnation. Correct? Teacher. Teacher of little kids. Teacher of big kids. Teacher of nursing home. You're responsible for every word that comes out of your mouth. And guess what I've done? I've said it wrong many times. How do I know that? Because I listened to a man preach a word of God that became his word, and then I studied it and found out what God actually said. There's a difference there. Am I responsible for what I did in ignorance? Thank God I'm not. I've repented of that. But going forward, it's a choice. If I manipulate, if I twist this word, that's what Satan did, did he not? Do you want to be like Satan? Do you want to twist the Word of God so that it does what you want? In your marriage, do you want to use the Word of God against your spouse? Do you want to use it against your fellow believer? Oh, that happens all too often. Well, the Word of God says. Yeah, it does. But what does it say to you? It says that a husband should what? He should love his wife and he should die for her just as Christ did. But what does it say about the woman? Well, let's not talk about that, brother man. Let's not talk about that right now because that's not what we're not in Ephesians. It doesn't matter. That's the whole point of studying. It's the congruency of the word, the full understanding of it that enlightens us and helps us fight our enemy. Joshua says to meditate, ponder, imagine, utter, consider, right? Throughout all the time, uh, Brother Gene's told many stories, but uh, he told one about when he was working on a tractor and he couldn't see where he was trying to put a bolt in it. And it was quite frustrating. But during that time, he wasn't pondering on the fact that that's what was happening. He still had the word of God in him because that's who he was. In those moments when things are so hard, when they're so bad, what are you thinking about? I try not to think about what's actually happening. Because if I do, it only makes me angrier. But I think of Philippians 4 and 8. I think on these things, the higher things, the good things, the better things. Because here's the reality of it. Eventually, I'm going to figure out how to get that bolt in there. And I'm going to start it and I'm going to get it in there because that's what God says. Right. But if I get angry and I get frustrated, how much harder is it to do something when you're frustrated? Oh, it is tremendously harder. You want to help yourself out? Stop being angry all the time. When things don't go your way, stop. Back up. Because the amount of time that you stop and you spend getting yourself right and realigning, you'll waste more time trying to do it than if you would just take the time, stop, and get where you're supposed to be and do what's right. Y'all, that's in every aspect of our lives. I'm not just talking about putting a bolt in a tractor so the starter's on it again. I'm talking about in your marriage. I'm talking about at your workplace. I'm talking about when you're in traffic and you're following somebody and they're both going 40 miles an hour or they're going 25 like today. When we were on our way to the hospital, and I'm like, what are you doing? This makes absolutely no sense. So meditate on it. How often? Day and night. What does that look like? How often does God wake you up before 3 o'clock in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning? If he doesn't, you are fortunate. Maybe you're spending enough time with God. Because I get woke up a lot. 3 o'clock, 3.30 in the morning. That's like just a reality in my life now. You know why? Probably because Brother Matt didn't do what he was called to do. And that was spend time with God. And God says, you know what? You're not going to sleep. You're going to hurt. And you're going to wake up. And you're going to have a panic attack. You're not going to feel like you can breathe. I'm going to drive you to do what it is that you already know to do. And you're going to do it. Because I'm preparing you for a day. I'm preparing you for a moment. I'm preparing you to succeed. That's what he says. He wants to achieve success in Joshua. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will achieve success. 
What is the success that you and I are looking for in our life? Number one is to glorify God and worship Him forever. But along the way, we're supposed to shine a light to our fellow man so that they can understand what we understand now. That looks different for all of us. Thank God it does because we're not all the same. We're not all in the same place. So we got the first two down. Hebrews 4 and 12. Here's the thing that's scary. Brother Scott was joking with me. He said, you're not going to read that, are you? It reveals my true intentions, believer. This word reveals the true intent of your heart. It says this, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That is disturbing. Especially for somebody who's not in Christ. Especially for somebody who's saved and they're not in Christ. Because here's the reality of it. You think you're hiding things. We do that quite often. I can hide things from everybody here. I hide nothing from God. And here's the reality of it, believer. If you're hiding something or you're doing something that you shouldn't, what does the Word of God say is going to happen? Here's what studying and knowing is. Eventually what's done in the dark will be revealed in the light. Is that what you want? Do you want to be ashamed? Because that's what he's saying. You don't need to be ashamed when you know the Word and you live according to the Word of God. You succeed. You don't have a reason to be ashamed. You don't have a reason to feel bad. I want this Word to judge the thoughts and intentions of my heart because it also says it is deceitfully wicked and who can know it. And I know that about myself. There is nobody in here. Brother Scott says something and I love it and I will use it the next time. When people say that I'm bad or I'm evil or I'm not good, I will tell them the truth. You don't even know the half of it. You only know the bad that you've seen me do. You only know the bad that you think that I've perpetrated against you. You have no idea what goes through my mind every day. You don't know the battle that's in my mind. You don't know what Satan does. You have no clue. Be happy that all you know of Brother Matt is as bad as you've ever known. Because I promise you what's inside of me is much worse. But there's a God who says He's overcome and tells me that I am more than an overcomer in Him. How am I more than an overcomer? Not only can I overcome this world, and in the end, I can persevere and I can be there, but I can also bring others with me. See, an overcomer, someone who's more than an overcomer, has the ability to bring those along with them. I don't just stop at the fact that I'm saved and that's it. That's not, that's not what this is about. Your salvation is great. It's awesome. It's yours. But if you don't ever use it, what, why did you get saved? Why did Jesus say that He sent them? Why did He save them so that they could go do what? Spread His gospel to the world. What are you doing every day? Everybody doesn't have the ability to spread the gospel as easily and as readily as others. We all have different places, right? Some of it's just by what they see. But some of us actually have the ability to spread the Word of God everywhere that we go. 1 Peter 2 and 9 tells us we're a royal priesthood, we're a peculiar people, that we're supposed to what? We're supposed to tell people about God. Praise Him before people. Explain to them who He is because we're a royal priesthood. You are a priest and a priestess. A holy one, not in a royal one. That's, that's amazing. 1 Timothy 4 and 16, we see it ensures salvation for you and the one who hears you. 1 Timothy 4 and 16. You don't, it's on the screens. Pay close attention to yourself and to the teaching. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Do you want your loved ones to be saved? 
Yes, do you want yourself to be saved? I would hope self-preservation would be one of those things that you want. Why do we study? Why do we meditate daily? That's why. Because we want to see salvation come to those who aren't saved. We want to see ourselves saved. This Word, when it finds me guilty, it also washes me clean. Because it sees the true intention of my heart, and then it's revealed to me through the Spirit. That conscience we've been talking about, this soul, all these pieces, they work in concert, guys. And when they work together, and you've done your part, the Spirit of God says, I'll draw it out of you, and I will do the rest. But we must do our part. Too many people do not spend time studying the Word of God. And you say, well, I don't have time. I beg to differ. Because I promise you, if I could take your phone and I could watch your television habits, you have more than enough time to worship, to serve, to read, and to study about God. You choose not to. And if that offends you, then you are just offended. Because that's the truth, myself included. I could spend every waking hour learning more about my Jesus, but I don't. Because I'm selfish. And I want to do what I want to do. We've got to stop that. There's coming a time where... This could go away from us. In my generation, I seriously doubt it. But there's places where people learn books or learn chapters of a book so that they can recite it when they because they know this is going to be taken away. They get a hold of a Bible and they really study to show themselves approved because they have to. They say, listen, Matthew chapter five, you, you do that. one, OK, you Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter seven. We don't know how long we're going to have this, but we really want the book of Matthew. That way you can write it down from memory. We don't have that. And you know what? If we did, we probably would serve God a whole lot better. We would probably care a whole lot more about His Word. Because we. this is one thing I've found. And it's a sad, sad thing. We don't ever care about anything as much as we should until it's gone. Whether that be my dad, whether it be Ricky, or the people that you've lost. Right? That's just a fact. Because it annoys me. It would annoy me at times that my dad wanted me to come and see him. Well, I just really want to watch my show. I really want to do something. I'd give anything now to go see. But it's too late. Right? Before it was a hassle. Now it's something that I wish to God that I could do, that I pray it's too late. That's our reality. Well, this is no different, believer. Neither is this church and neither is this body. Don't take this for granted, please. And we see again now in John 8, 31 and 32, it promises freedom to those who continue in it. Do you want to be free? Yes, I want to be free indeed. That's the truth. I want to be free in Christ because there's no what? Condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't want to feel condemned. Do you want to feel condemned for the rest of your life? I wouldn't either. So let's look at what it says. It says, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who believed, who had believed him. They believed first. That is the beginning of everything. Those, those we see in 1 John John 1 and 12, it says, to those who believed, he gave them the power to become the sons and the daughters of God. Right. So belief is the beginning. If you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, not just because you say you believe. If all you say is you believe and you don't follow the teachings in the word of Jesus Christ, then you are a liar. That's what he's saying. And Jesus says it over and over. Your heart, your, your, your mouth speaks to me, but your heart is far from me. You say swelling words and prideful things so that other people think that. But the truth is, I can see your heart and the intent of your heart is evil. Then we go on and says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How will I know the truth? Because I continue in his word. That's how I never can have enough of this word. If you've already had enough of the word of God, 
something is seriously wrong with the relationship you have with him. Because, guys, you do not know even a fraction of what there is to know. Matter of fact, his word is so in-depth and who he is is so great that we'll never fully know him ever. We'll know more and more about him. And when we get in his presence, we'll have a better understanding of it. But we don't know right now. Let's just be honest. We don't. Even the best among us doesn't, which is sad, but it's true. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. The scriptures bring us encouragement and hope. How many of you need to be encouraged right now? How many of you need a hope? Well, if you're saved and you're here tonight and you need that, what do you think the world needs? Guys, they need a hope. They need to be encouraged. They need something to believe in because everything else is falling apart. Romans 15 and 4. But whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. So number one, we were to be instructed. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Listen, don't stop understanding that it's to he who perseveres. It's to he who overcomes. This is not to he who believes and burns out and goes and lives their life the way they want to. That person goes to hell. We had a conversation the last even class that we had. That's the reality of this. You don't get to live your life the way that you want to live your life. Now, TV preachers will tell you that, and someone who wants your money probably will. Hey, I tell you what, $500 right now. Just give me $500 and plant a seed, a seed of faith, and you'll go. To, no, no, you're not. That doesn't even make any sense. That's not the reality of this thing. It's not even about money. What did Simon say? Simon the silversmith wanted to buy this. He wanted to buy it. He said, how much will it cost for me to have that? It's not for sale. The gospel is not for sale. Jesus Christ is not for sale. It's a gift that's freely given and you must receive it. How do I know that? How do you know that? Because you've read it. Not just because you've heard it preached, but because you've read it yourself. Have you read that? Has that been instilled in your heart? Do you understand that if you die, the state that you die in is where you are and there's no way to pay yourself out of purgatory? Do you realize there's no purgatory? There's no penance, guys. As a tree falls, so it lays. It's done. It's done. We have one opportunity on this side. And that's it. There's nothing left after that. Which is scary. Second Peter 1, 1 through 1-3. Knowledge of the truth brings peace. So we have salvation. We have freedom. We have hope. And now we have peace. I, I would like to have peace. It says 2 Peter 1, 1 through 3, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. That's pretty important. Not just any faith. By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So how did they receive that faith? Through what? Through the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It wasn't something that they bought. It wasn't something that they worked for. It was something they were freely given. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in what? In the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. For His divine power has granted to us everything. This is something that you are held to. Again, for His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. You are without excuse. Two things that He says in there that's really important. Peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. The more you know about this Jesus, the more you should be encouraged. The more you should see that He is who He says He is and He does not change. And if He did it the last time, He's going to do it again. 
That is a blessed hope that we have. But then he says, for his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life. And godliness through what? Through this knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. You have a knowledge and an understanding. This life that he's talking about, what kind of life is that? It's life eternal. 22-22 in the Greek, before you were dead, but you've been quickened to life. And that life is for eternity. What are we supposed to do with that life? We're supposed to live it out in Christ Jesus. But many people don't want to because it costs you every day. But the word just said, that's what brings you peace. Truth and knowledge of who God is and who His Son is brings peace to the believer. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, and we all know this one. So, so used so often. All Scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every work. So it's profitable and it's for all good. All good. Everything in the Word of God is profitable for you and I. You say, well, I've seen songs of Solomon and I've seen some things in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Lamentations. Yes, believer, that's for you too. Every single word in this is profitable for those who are truly seeking the truth. And therein lies the problem. If you're just reading the Bible to read the Bible to fulfill an obligation and you're not actually trying to find the truth and search the truth, the Lord knows that already. You're wasting your time. You're supposed to study the Word of God. And I didn't say it had to last an hour. But the calling that's been placed on my life, I don't have a choice. Because guess what? I don't know this Word the way I know this Word because I opened it up one time and read it. I can't preach this right here and I can't teach what I teach this Sunday, last Sunday, next Sunday. I can't do that without spending time in this Word, without studying it. And also, not only that, but start doing that tonight or tomorrow and meditate on that all week. All the way up to the time that you go to teach it. And here's the amazing part. How I know that the Lord is in it. He reveals things to me as I'm teaching. Because even then, it could just be me, correct? Could it not just be me and I'm just giving you the knowledge that I have? I said this morning, one of the most brilliant people that I know is Ben Shapiro. He is a brilliant man. But he's going to go to hell if he doesn't accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. All the head knowledge he has. Guys, he knows more about the Old Testament He's like a Pharisee. He knows more about the New Testament than most believers do. But it's all head knowledge. It's meaningless because he has not accepted Christ as his Savior. What good has it done him to study? He doesn't meditate on it. He's not looking for truth. He's looking for ammunition. A lot of people do that. Whenever you study the Word of God, do you study it to find the truth or do you study it to prove yourself right or to prove someone else wrong? Because if you don't go into the Word of God neutral, looking for truth, you can find your own truth every time you open it. Every single time someone comes against me, I can find my own truth within the Word of God to negate everything they say. It's very simple. I watch it happen all the time. Is that your truth? Whenever you go into the Word, you go into it honestly wanting to know what God has to say. Because the Word of God says He will abradeth not. If I truly am seeking to know the truth, he will reveal the truth to me and He will not ridicule me for it. That's what upbraideth. He won't ridicule me. He won't chasten me. He won't chastise me. He wants me to know the truth. I ask for the truth fervently and I receive it. Y'all, that's the promise that you and I have. But is that how you go into the Word of God? Or does somebody say, well, the Word of God says 
that you can't wear a hat when you're in the church because that's dishonorable. That's just one of the things that people, it just irks them. It's not in the Bible. It's literally not in there. Uh, godliness, cleanliness is next to godliness, not in the Bible. Tradition is not in the Bible. That's, that's what I'm trying to say is, if you're going to tell somebody something or go against someone or rule on somebody, make sure that it's biblical because that causes contention. And contention is not of the Spirit of God, correct? That's why He wants us to search it out. And is it really worth getting into an argument with somebody? Is it a heaven or hell issue? But we find ourselves in those debates all too often because we haven't studied. We've listened to someone else say something. It falls in line in what I believe is right, and so I just cling to it. He said the same thing this morning. It doesn't matter what my grandma or my great-grandma did or my grandpa. They could have gone to hell. I don't know. That's God's business. I need to know what's right now for me because I'm the one living this life in Christ. They're not living it for me. Thank God. He's given us the ability to live our own life in Him with the will to not sin. The last one here is Hosea 4 and 6. Why do we perish? And by perish, it's 1820. It's destroyed or ruined, silenced. Why does that happen? Why? Listen, why are there preachers that are silenced out there? Y'all remember Ashley Madison? Does anybody remember that? Okay, Ashley Madison, it silenced a lot of people. It destroyed homes. It destroyed churches. There were people in local churches here that lost their places. There were people in the Baptist building that were on Ashley Madison. Right? That actually happened. They were silenced. Why were they silenced? Because of what they did. Lack of knowledge. Hosea 4 and 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Since you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Now, I think earlier it was said, 1 Peter 2 and 9 says that you're a what? You're a royal priesthood, believer. He's talking to the priest here. We have now fallen in line of the royal priesthood. Who was the high, who's our high priest? Jesus Christ is our high priest. And we fall behind that. So let's read it again. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They're destroyed. What is that? They are ruined or they are silenced. You're either ruined or you're silenced. That means you, you no longer can speak the word of God. You no longer can be. If I start having an affair with someone or I do something that's super horrible, I would hope you would kick me out of this, out of this position and that I probably wouldn't come back into it, correct? I would be silenced. God would silence my ability to teach His Word because I was so far removed from the truth of God. There are repercussions for the things we do, believer. It's just the reality. Since you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being my priest. You're silenced now. Matter of fact, not only you're silenced, but you're ruined because in that time, that was their job. That's literally how they got paid. If you've been a priest your whole life and that's all you've ever done, what are you supposed to do when you can't do that anymore? It's not like you can go be a common laborer. You've had this life your, your whole life. I mean, you could go be a butcher, I suppose, if there was a need for one. But do you see how that works? That's why it's important. His people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We're no different. We are His people. Are you studying the Word of God? Seriously. Are you meditating on it? Do you truly want to know what the Word says? Now, this is where I got myself in a predicament. Here's the application part. About three weeks ago, 
we have a dog, and it lives in our house. And I love the dog. It's really cool. I know not everybody agrees that a dog should live in a house, and that's cool, too. Some people don't even like animals, but we do at my house. So I was coming back from visiting my mom and my grandpa, and I see my dog in the road. And I see a vehicle almost hit my dog. If the vehicle hadn't stopped, it would have killed my dog. Now, multiple times, I've talked to someone about not letting the dog out of the house, unless you're watching. And I was pretty upset. I'm not going to lie. I was very upset. But the Lord said to keep my mouth shut. I pulled up. I got what I needed. I needed to go back to mama's, and I did. And I got there, and I talked to her about it for a minute, and I prayed the whole way back. I said, Lord, what should I say? What should I do? This is what I had read, if you would, Ecclesiastes. That morning, I had read about anger because I have a tendency to be angry too. Ecclesiastes 7 and 9 says, <clears throat> talking about the heart of fools. Fools are stupid, a stupid fellow or a simpleton. That may not seem like the nicest thing, but that's what it truly, that's what it actually means. Ecclesiastes 7 9, do not be eager in your spirit to be angry, for anger resides in the heart of fools. Some people literally go out every day looking for a fight. They really do. I've met plenty of them. Every time you see them, they're looking to find something that you've said wrong, something that you've done wrong, or it doesn't matter that you've done everything right. They find the one thing that you didn't do right. That's what they peg you with. Well, that's you did everything good, but you didn't do that. My dad used to be horrible about that. We'd have the whole house clean, and he'd walk in, and right in the corner there was a cracker or something on the floor. It didn't matter that we had done everything right. What mattered is that wasn't done perfectly. There was zero mercy. God saved him, thankfully, because he was an unmerciful man at one time. Reality. So don't be eager in your spirit to be angry, for anger resides in the heart of fools. If, if that's who you are, then you are stupid. That's what the Word of God says. You're a simpleton. Is that what you want to be? Is that what you want to be? No. The Word also says what? Even if a, if a fool doesn't open his mouth, does anybody know he's foolish? That's what it says. It says a wise man is wise. But if a foolish man won't open his mouth, you won't ever know that he's a fool. But you know what a foolish man does? He always opens his mouth. That's, that's the reality. Proverbs 29, 22 through 24. Here's the problem with anger. It creates a multitude of sins. It creates a multitude of sins. An angry person stirs up strife. And a hot-tempered person abounds in wrongdoing. A person's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. One who is a partner with a thief hates his own life. He hears the oath but tells nothing. Right? Let me ask you something. When you're angry, it seems like you get angry and you say things you shouldn't say. And then you do things you shouldn't say. And then you try to cover that up and rationalize it. It's still sin. Sin leads to sin just like lying leads to lying leads to lying. They go hand in hand. Proverbs 16 and 32. Much better, it's much better to conquer your own flesh. Which which takes more, which takes more willpower, which makes a stronger person. One who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. So the mightiest person you know, if you're slow to anger, you're stronger and better than they are. And one who rules his spirit than one who captures a city. So a man who has the ability to capture a whole city and take down a whole city, if he cannot rule his own spirit. He's weaker than the guy who has the strength to take over a whole city. What are you supposed to do every morning when you wake up? You're supposed to die to self. 
You don't get angry if you're dead. A dead man don't get angry. A dead man don't get his feelings hurt. Dead people are literally dead. How can a dead person get angry? How can a dead person be mad about something? It's because you're not dead. It's because you're alive and you're in your flesh. And that's a reality I have to live with every day of my life too. James 1, 19 through 25, which is longer. Here's the biggest thing. Anger is opposed to the righteousness of God. You call yourself righteousness because you're covered in the blood of Christ. And amen, you are. You've been saved. But you have a will and you have the ability to stay in that relationship. You know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Now everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. So what is the word of God able to do? Save your soul. We said that in the very beginning, did we not? Then what does he go on? But prove yourselves doers of the word and not just hearers who deceive themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who has looked intently at the perfect law, the law of freedom, and has continued in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an active doer, this person will be blessed in what he does. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I felt very, very much like I could have been mad because I have asked on multiple occasions not to let that dog out. And I almost watched it die. But then I had to I had to think about that. What's more important? Is a human more important or is a dog more important? There's you're rationalizing. I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to talk to God. I'm trying to understand why I feel the way I do. I'm meditating on his word. I'm thinking about all the things that he told me this morning through his word, because guess what? God speaks to us through his word. He had already told me that morning not to be angry because I would be stupid if I were. He told me that all that would do would be make things worse. All I would do is cause problems with somebody else if I did that. Then I have to look that person in the face. And if you're not convicted whenever you hurt the person you say you love, something's wrong with you. The Spirit of God does not do that. We should not have to live our lives in a place where we feel like we're condemned all the time. It says we're what? We're not condemned anymore. We're free. You should feel free. Here's the thing. And this is just lanyap if you want to because the Lord is really good. Remember whenever we were talking earlier and it said that it causes you to sin more and more and more? Well, today we went to the hospital. And on our way back, we got a phone call. Guess where the dog was? The dog was outside. The dog had been outside for about two hours. Now, if I had gotten mad and said what I wanted to say and did what I wanted to do, and then I didn't get mad at the person who left the dog out today, am I not a respecter of persons? But see, I don't live with that other person. They just show up at my house and leave. Right? But I live with my wife, so if I'm mad at my wife, now what? Now I've got contention in my house. God knows exactly what he's doing and he has orchestrated every moment up to the time that I'm speaking right now. Had I said something to her, had I been ugly and I was not to my wife and I did not say the same thing, I would have been sinning. And my sin continues on and on and on. That's how this works. There is a reality to the word of God and applying it in our lives. Our problem is just what he said before. We learn a lot about this in James. We learn a lot about this. 
He says, but prove yourself doers of the word, not just hearers who deceive themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his face in a natural mirror. And once he looks away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he is. It makes us a hypocrite. If you're going to study the word of God, if you're going to read the word of God, if you're going to meditate on the word of God, quit being a hypocrite. Be merciful. Be understanding. Be loving. That's what we've been called to do, is it not? How does that? Here's our problem. What does the word of God say? How will they know us by the what? By the love we'll have for one another. If I can't love my wife, if I can't love those of you who are here, how in the world will I ever love somebody outside of this church? That's what the word of God actually says is I should be good to all men, but especially those of the household of God. Why do I know those things? Because I've studied the word of God. I meditate on it. I try to apply this word to my life every day. How often do I fail? Every day. Am I convicted? Yes, I'm convicted. And that conviction leads to repentance. And that repentance leads to a right relationship with God. So I'm not an illegitimate child. That's a terrible thing to be in the kingdom of God. An illegitimate child that has no father, they go to hell. That's not what you and I are. That's not what we've been called to. We have not been vessels fit for wrath. God's wrath is never to be poured out on us. But what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to know Him. Love Him. Study about Him. Find out more and more. We sing the song. That's the other thing. Brother Josh, he said it years ago, and he said it over and over. You sit there and sing the song, I want to know more about my Jesus, but it's not even true for half of us. But it's a cool song. I love singing that song because it's fun. I want to know more. I mean, it's really upbeat, and it's really, so you do it, but you're not even telling the truth the whole time, so you're lying while you're singing glory to God. People do that all the time. Why he doesn't smite us? Because he loves us. Because He literally loves us that much. Because we lie so much every day that we could be sent to hell. But He loves us. So when we do make a mistake, when we do get out of His will, when we're not where we're supposed to be, what do we do, church? We just ask Him to forgive us. Because He loves us that much. He really does. This idea that I was just, what sin is it that sends me to hell? I don't want to find out. I don't want to find out. I want to please my Lord. I want to learn about Him. I want to do as Jesus said in Matthew 28. I, I want to learn of Him. I want to know of Him. I, I, why? So that I can do what? So that when I learn of Him, it brings peace and comfort into my life. Those heavy burdens that I have, He says He can take them away. We saw all that. It's freedom, salvation, hope, peace, and profit in every word. What more do we need? We don't. We just need to follow it. We just need to read, to study, and to meditate on His Word daily. You would bow your head. Father, thank You again for, for this time. Lord, thank You for Your Word. That it's always yes and amen. That it's congruency throughout from the beginning to the end. Thank You, Father, for Your sacrifice of Your Son. Thank You, God, that You've given us all a mind to understand. The Word of God says that if we've been saved and filled with the Spirit, the mystery's been revealed to us. You said we're not servants, we're friends. We're not, held, we're not held to a higher standard than anyone else, God. You just want us to know who you are, to have a personal relationship. You just want us to know who you are so that our joy can be full. Father, I pray that we truly understand that. That as we study every single day your word, as we read your word, God, as we meditate on it throughout the day, that you would stay our flesh. That you would help us to walk in the spirit, God. You've already foreordained 
works for us and a path for us to walk, God. And that's all you've asked us to do. You said, I've fully equipped you, child. I've given you everything that you need. I've given you a word. I've given you a spirit to guide you. I've given you everything you need to succeed in this life. All I need you to do is trust me. All I need you to do is love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.